Happy Juneteenth to everybody from Hayes Radio Network and Superbad Inc. I'm so excited to be a part of this great event that we're doing with Ebony Magazine and celebrating, you know, such a remarkable thing that um, they're even talking about it, you know, making it a national holiday. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, I think that's long overdue, and I think that'll be perfect uh, paid holiday for everyone. Yeah. I think that'll be great. Yeah, for sure. And I think with all the recognition and everything that's going on, it's really you know, been between COVID, you know, and, you know, Black Lives Matter and, you know, all these issues of inequality and injustice and everything is, you know, really coming to such a, a crazy light. And we're living in a time that's, you know, really changing many ways, especially the fact that we have what's going on as a digital virtual event. You know, how often do you think, you know, something like this is, you know, going to have the popularity that it does, but it's actually going to be the way of the future. I agree. Uh, I, I never thought nothing like this would happen. Um, yeah, now everything you do is digital. I remember a time where digital was uh, an afterthought, but now it's actually something that, that is actually ruling the world right now. Yeah, I know. It's really amazing, you know, of all the things that are going on, but I'm really glad that there are these platforms now you know, to bring people together. And there's gonna, there's a great line of, of speakers and panelists going on today, right? Yes. And, yes. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, and the next day, you know, yes. as well. So it's great that uh, everyone's getting to enjoy the event, get awareness. I know it's been all over social media. Yes, it is. You know, has. I think prior to today, I think mass culture didn't recognize or even know too much about, about it, you know, when there is a lot of, you know, black people and ethnic and brown, you know, that uh, might not have even known about this holiday. Right. You got you got a good point. Um, the awareness, uh, it should have been more awareness in the past, um, but it wasn't. And uh, now is the time to look forward and going forward from here on out is to make sure that all awareness is there for the, the next generation. And, uh, you know, and going along with it, the awareness of cannabis Yes. Right. The awareness yes. of a you know, that, great. You know, that's what brought everybody that's, together. That's what brought. That's that's that healing plant. Yes. That God came from ground, came from a seed. Yes. You know, and has all the great, wonderful medicinal qualities and stuff that you have. So, let's get into a little bit of what questions we were asked to participate okay. today. Uh, and the first one is: Is the cultural identity of cannabis shifting? And so, can you tell us in what ways? What do you think, Carlos? Um, I, I think you have to look at it multiple ways. Uh, the first thing I, I will say this, when you start looking at the cannabis as a whole and the, the, the whole shift to it, let, let's say, break it down like this. It's 81% white business owners in cannabis. And currently it's only 4.3 black business owners in cannabis. So between that, it makes up a whole nother avenue of Asian and also brown who make up the major the rest of the, the the scope of it. Now, there's no reason, in my opinion, that black shouldn't be a bigger part of the cannabis business when 264% of African Americans that are less like are more likely to go to jail than any other. Race in that this that country. that that for sure, and that crazy thing about cannabis and the way it was has been used as a drug to help 
slickly enforce, you know, a, a medical plant that really has so much healing and stuff that was made, you know, a schedule one drug is as hard as narcotics and right. things. And that there's been this reefer madness that's been throughout all the years, you know. And yes, you know, a lot of ethnic races and poor neighborhoods and, and slums in different areas are more subject to falling into being arrested and, you know, they need to have some medicine to help relieve themselves. They, you know, nothing wrong with, you know, smoking a little weed regardless of what background, what culture, whatever it is that you are, you know, and then they use that as a tool to fucking throw you in jail and do all this stuff and add all these other things and they make it really hard for you not to not be funneled through a system right. that is made to fail for you right. as an individual for the rest of your life once you get trapped into it. Yeah, that's true. You know? And I would say the switch is, you just said something just now. You just used the word weed. So here's the switch. The switch is weed has always been a, a culture thing um, a, amongst whites, blacks, and always. Hispanics. Everybody. But now in the corporate aspect, yeah, weed is looked at as down upon. Um, it's, not, it's not cannabis. Okay, Where so cannabis is corporate related yeah and that's where you you have the difference between you bring in the medical and you being recreational yeah and it becomes the big dollar a uh, big industry company yes benefiting yes. off of it absolutely um, absolutely and that leads into uh you know the second question but before we actually get into the second question i think i want to touch about you know the first question a little bit more okay go ahead in the sense of you know is cultural identity of cannabis shifting and if so i think it always was something that was available because the green rush that has begun, you know, for, I mean, cannabis when, you know, I'm a Gen X, you know what I mean? So the, you know, the baby boomers went through all the politics and things of being a hippie and enjoying a subculture and drugs and different things. And the government looked at it in a very negative and, and posturous way to like really, you know, make you look like you were degenerate. And that didn't matter what color you were. Right. You were a degenerate because you smoked weed. Correct. So that stigma had to break and break and break and break. And, you know, thanks to gentlemen like Jack Herrer, you know, the emperor of hemp, who in the 90s went into the streets of Manhattan and New York with crowds of people trying to let them understand that hemp had so much healing, great benefits, could be clothes, could be rope, could be this, could be so many different things. And, you know, you don't get high from rope. <laughs> you know what I'm right. saying? You right. get high from all these things. But once you broke the barrier of people thinking, okay, hemp's okay, which was in the 90s, it started doing a decade of going to a point where then guys like Jack, guys like uh, Perone and all these guys who came up with Proposition 215, which was the very first proposition that made cannabis as a medical benefit be legal in the first state in the United States and California over 20 years ago. Right. And then it took 20 years for it to go through the process and throughout the whole United States and other states to catch on, Colorado, 
Washington, yep. you know, Oregon. all these di- Oregon, yes. all these different states, Massachusetts, Maine, yes. Rhode Island, you know, all these places rose up and said, you know what, this is a medicine. This does help us. This does help the people. You know, this is a healing plant. And that has become a shift. But at the same time, yes, you're a degenerate because you're a stoner. Now add, oh, I'm black or I'm of a race. Then it's even more that is thrown on you as an individual. So I think what happened is when it wasn't like they were discriminating against who you are as an individual many years ago, okay? Right. Because anybody who was a patient could get a license and grow, whether you were any race or any culture. What happens when it went recreational? Right. And it became about the dollars and it became about, you know, regulating and it became about licensing and it became about all this different money and things like that. Well, now politics really come into play. And bigger corporations and bigger money and all these things start coming into play. And that's when there's a shift because now these corporate people who are primarily white, right? who never smoked cannabis was that fucking stuffy white, most likely very prejudiced person, you know, higher up on the ladder, who's elite and everything else, who then says, well, we're going to monetize on this shit. Look at all these dispensaries and this and the money and the billions and the taxes and this and that. Right. But they don't have any clue about this plant, any clue how to brand it, Zero. any clue how to do all these things, raising all this money and trying to use that same thought of devouring a business in the cannabis industry, which is not like fashion. Right, right. <laughs> it's not like the movies, it's not like normal industries, you know? No, it's totally, totally different. And it, it, it has a, a, a mind of its own and a road of its own. You know, and you know, I think that there's a lot of celebrities, you know, and, and a lot of actors and actresses and things over the years, you know, I was been in the you know cannabis industry for 25 years and all different aspects. And I've gotten to see a lot of politics and a lot of things change and a lot of things happen over the years and good and bad. Yeah, yeah just like you're, every you're, you're actually a legend in this whole thing. <laughs> and what you should do is, yeah, go ahead, break it down to us about everybody that you, a lot of people that you work with. A lot of people don't know too much about um, your background. Yeah, what, as far I've, as, what I've done. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I've, I've, I've grown and cultivated, you know, ever since I was, uh, you know, in my early 20s and. I'm a lot older (laughs) in life. Let's just say that was in the 90s and everything like that and worked with a lot of, with Jack and this and all these guys that were revolutionaries, but they were really hippie and not corporate. So how do you get, when they're like, fuck the government, fuck the government, the whole life, you got to be a generation older. It's like, look, dude, you can't (laughs) make laws and things happen and just be all fuck you. You got to work with the government. You know, you have to work with everybody. I think our generation helped bridge the insane hippie activists and melded that. And we had our own weird version of of that in itself, you know, and uh, I got to grow and be part and smoke and do things of all different strains and help people throughout the years. And, you know, had cannabis cup awards and different, you know, accolades and things like that that I've had throughout my life. And also got to brand a lot of great, you know, celebrities like the alcoholics, old dirty bastard, done stuff with James Brown. Digital Underground, Peter Tosh, yeah, you know, and a lot of other legendary celebrities that have, have I've had the pleasure of working with throughout, you know, throughout the years, 
you know, and so I have a different spin on it. You know, I've always been about being cultural and working with everybody, whoever it was, you know, yeah, you, so you, you have, um, I think, uh, the other question that we had is, um, cannabis branding has taken a life of its own, especially since many people from corporate America are pivoting into the cannabis industry. What are our thoughts on that? Well, I think we've definitely spun a, lo a lot about that, yeah. you know, um, and that a lot of corporate takeovers coming in. But the good thing about the politics and the guys that were trying to make all the big money and this and that, that there was the little man, you know, that says, what about social equity? What about right. this? What about that? But I also think it was also fear. You know, there are a lot of people of ethnic race who didn't think they could get a license or get things. And there was a lot of people who did. And then you say, how much do I want to put myself out there like that? Because then it's public. I have to say who it is. I own the license. I do all these things, you know, and, and you're creating a, a life for yourself that not everybody accepts. That is true. I mean, you, know? you have to worry about security, too. Security is a big aspect of the cannabis ind industry in general uh, that gets overlooked a lot absolutely, of times. Absolutely. Uh, and safety. Yes. Precautions. Yes quality, genetics, you know, there's a lot of faith you put into <laughs> a lot of things with these plants, so, you know, and then the third question is really how do you incorporate cannabis as part of your overall well-being? And I think that's what we're starting to touch on. So yeah. what do you think? Uh, I, th I think everybody uses cannabis nowadays in some form or fashion. Um, the biggest thing I, I love about cannabis is you're able to take a plant that's actually good for you. Um, Every day I use CBD uh, all over my body. I do that all the time. I'm pretty sure, you know, where I'm up in age, you know. So nowadays I'm not the, the young guy I used to be running around, but nowadays, yes, I do use uh, CBD. Um, you got CBD water now that's out. You got hemp water that's out. So there's all sorts of different things that you, that, you know, that you can do. Me coming from having a sports background, <coughs> uh, being in the sports industry, uh, for 25 years working with elite uh, NFL and NBA athletes. Um, now that a lot of them are retired and the, the game is, is the game of basketball is actually changing. The, when we talk about the NBA, they're, they're more uh, fast forward in, in, in what they're doing. They're, they're going to eventually use hemp. They're going to eventually do CBD. There, there's a lot the of NFL will yeah, eventually do the uh, same thing. I, well, yes, they can. Now they can, you know, in, in uh, 2018, when the passing of the Farm Act happened, hemp and, you know, everything associated to that was legal. You right. know, you can grow it. There are obviously uh, regulations in all the states in the United States all over about, you know, what you have to apply, what you have to do, which is actually relatively easy, you know, to be able to grow hemp and to, and to, and to do it for yourself. You can ship it. You can put it all over the United States. And people say, well, what's the difference between, you know, hemp and cannabis? Well, the only difference is both of them have the same CBD. Uh, they, they have the, the it's called a cannabinoid, essentially. Right. And the marijuana and hemp plant are identical in the fact that they all have the same exact compounds. They look the same very, very similar if you compare the both of them. 
they grow a little bit different because hemp is part of a, of a genetic that grows, you know, like lankier and a little bit thinner. But if you actually dried the buds and compared them and took pictures, you wouldn't be able to really tell too much of a difference between it. But when you smoked it, one of it has a psychoactive, <laughs> makes you feel a little funny yeah, right, right. <laughs> feeling, you know, that which is THC, you know, tetrahydrocannabinoid. But you also have CBD, CBN, CBG, yes. you know, all these different other cannabinoids that have different effects. And if anybody's really interested in learning a little bit about it, you can easily go on Google and just type in CBD chart or cannabinoid chart and it'll give you a breakdown of the most commonly scientifically known cannabinoids you know and what their effects are and what things they help in the body you know and all the different things that they they do and i think that you know the more uh the world is now being educated and the world is knowing about more of these things that everyone's being empowered to participate in what is the green rush now obviously when the green rush started you know five six years ago there's a lot of people cashing in and making a ton of money and then a lot of companies that failed and went bankrupt and you know a lot of people lost a considerably insane amount of money you know so being able to be part of this recreational market, you know, took out almost 75% of the businesses that were part of this market 20 years ago. And now only these people, corporations, right. groups, and things like that are getting these licenses, but there is the social equity aspect. That is true. The fact that they are now giving a percentage of these licenses to equity groups, giving them these licenses that these other people paid millions and millions of dollars for and didn't have to. Right. Paid still in a lot of money. If you get into this business, whether oh, you Me, it got it millions. from whatever, it takes, it takes, it takes a millions. lot of money. Yeah. Don't think, oh, I'm over down there. I'm going to get my license. Yeah. It's not that easy. No. You know? And you go through background, heavy background checks, this, all these different things to go through approval, and you're putting yourself on the line. Right. You are a martyr. You know, it's not federally legal yet. No. Every single person in this industry, even recreational, is rolling the dice of the rest of their life if it doesn't become legalized. That is true. You know, that but thank true. God, you know, we're in a time where so many people and so many things can make such an impact and who would have thought the death of a man by a cop regardless which that happens all of our lives every day in the hood in different areas where you don't hear about all these guys that have been killed in the same way right correct the same way if not worse and even worse situations and you know thank god that you know because everyone's out there and because of this event today and because of all these things that are going on that there's going to be a massive change yes definitely i i believe it will be a change and the great thing about um about the world is you know the george floyd incident was caught on tape um from beginning to end. And I think because you've seen um, 
the end result, it will make a change in America. Yeah, absolutely. And, and everybody else that is, like I said, all the fallen soldiers essentially that have died in uh, overzealous, you know, ego-powered moment right. that these law enforcement officers have. You know, I still, you know, believe in having police. I mean, you know, I think there's too much shit going on in the world that we need some, you know, somebody to to have our back. You know, in the society that we live in. So, but do they need to get the same checks and balances that they give us as citizens of America, you know, when they decide we're breaking the law? I, I think we need yeah. police, but I, I think it needs to be uh, the, the the departments, certain departments need to be um, tore down and rebuilt, rebuilt from the, from sure. scratch. Sure. Um, I think that's the, the best way to do it, um, just like they did in Camden, New Jersey. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Well, I think we uh, we wrapped up our three questions, and I hope that everyone enjoys this wonderful event uh, with Ebony Magazine. We uh, we also are participating in the virtual room with uh, Hayes Radio and right. Super Bad Inc. So, uh, if outside of this you guys want to hit us up, uh, and I hope you guys are enjoying having a blast. Uh, sorry, we couldn't be live on this part of it, but we are live in the virtual room, so we thought it'd be the best way for you guys yes. to interact with us. And, and also, our, our our whole common ground, what me and Andrew, our whole thought process was, is to bring everybody together, and that's what we're doing. Yeah. Um, right here, you have a black man and you have a white man. Yeah. And right here on camera, <laughs> crazy blind on camera. Yeah, We're shaking hands uh, on yeah, camera, sure, man. showing that it's nothing but love. No, nothing but love. And that's what America's oh, about. Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely, absolutely. Because it really should, as, as hard as it wants to be, it should never, ever life be about someone's race or color. Yes. Especially because we live in a time of technology. Yes. I mean, you can talk and feel like you're with someone fucking thousands and hundreds yes. of thousands of miles away and you're connected in so much more of a way that like that this should these things won't happen anymore right. you know we're gonna live right. in a different future right I agree. that's what you're, with covid and this and everything we're gonna live yes. in a different future i agree you know and almost in a way i think because everyone's getting knocked the fuck down and you know all races can rise up i agree you know all culture, all ethnicity, do what you believe is at core the right thing to lead your life as a human being. I believe with love, peace, sincerity, and as much integrity as you can give to the world, you yes. know? All right. We appreciate everybody. I'm Carlos Du. Andrew Pizzicalis, Hayes Radio. Thanks, guys. Super bad ink. Oh, yeah. <laughs>